Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. I, I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about more. I want to talk to you about the promises of God and that there's always more that God has for us. How many believe that? God always has more for us, right? More for us. It's like grandma's fruitcake. There's more. Because no one's eating it. Come on, everybody. But as we approach Easter, just a few weeks away, I, I want to I want to really kind of dive into some core promises that are in Scripture because I think that we've got to base everything on a foundation level in our life. Would you agree? So we got to go back to foundations occasionally and looked at these th- and look at these things. And I've talked about some of these things before, but I'm I'm going to challenge you in a little bit different way this time, um, talking about how God has more for us. You see, in, in relationship with God, we will never get to the place where we have arrived, where it's over, where like I can take it easy now. I don't have to learn anymore, study anymore, read the Bible anymore. Pray anymore, I just I hit cruise control, and I'm just going to show up at church whenever, because I, I'm a whenever Christian instead of an all-in Christian. Come on, everybody. And, and just kind of go on cruise control, and because I know that I've received enough, not more, but enough to make it. Right, so other things are going to take more priority in my life than than the Word of God, or so, or or than my relationship with God. And so, because of that, I'm just going to settle for whatever I can pick up here and there. Right? No. Why would we do that when God has more for us? Why would we settle for partial when we can go? completely all in deep with him, knowing that what God has for us is better than we could ever even imagine or we could, we could put together with a, with a whole team of people trying to make our lives better. We could not come up with a better plan than what God has for you and that what God had for you before you were ever even born. The Bible says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he created you with and he gives us a purpose and a plan for our life. How many of you believe that? So when, when talking about and going through and looking into how that God has more for us, I'm going to go all the way back to a time in history that we celebrate around Easter called the Passover. Say Passover. And, and we'll talk more about this, but when Jesus would have celebrated the Passover meal, the Passover celebration, uh, from the book of Exodus, still is still today when, when the Jewish people celebrate the Passover meal, there, there would have been bread and there would have been wine, right? How many have taken communion before? There's bread and there's wine, or in our case, there's grape juice because there's no wine. Uh, we're still waiting for Jesus to make some more. Come on, everybody. I guess that's the deal. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> we're, we're hanging on. And, uh, and, and, and there's times when church when even buys the white grape juice because they're afraid of staining the carpet, right? Who knows? <laughs> but but w- w- what we see is when, when they're celebrating the Passover, and you remember the famous, the famous painting of Jesus, right, at the Last Supper with all the disciples. It's kind of weird because they're all on one side of the table, 
You ever thought of that? It's a weird painting. You ever dined with people and everybody got on the same side? <laughs> 13 of you? What are you looking at? Nothing. Right? This is weird. You know, see, these are the things I think of. I'm sorry, but this is who I am. Some of you are like, I've never thought of that before. You'll never look at that painting ever again the same. But when, <laughs> when Jesus is celebrating the Passover meal, there would have been bread and there would have been wine. And we celebrate the Passover meal. We celebrate communion with bread and wine or grape juice. But we celebrate with one cup of grape juice. How many of you celebrate? They would have had four. There would have been four cups representing different things. And we, we've grown up not, not celebrating Passover in this way. They would, have, they would have read through one passage of Scripture, and it's the same passage of Scripture that we read through in, this, in the book of Exodus still today. And in this passage, it has four different statements. And out of those statements, they drink a cup of wine with each of those statements in Luke chapter 22. Some of you are already, you're like, that sounds awesome. Four cups of wine at church, that's amazing. But they, it's mentioned several times in Scripture, and it would have been four cups of wine to represent the plan that God had for people's lives. See, God has a plan, and God's plans are eternal. How many of you understand that? God's plans are eternal. And those same four things, all throughout Scripture, they're, in the, they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're in the Great Commission of Jesus, right? They're in the Great Commission where he says, go into all the world, preach the the gospel to every creature, every nation, right? They're they're in the Great Commission. They're throughout the book of Acts, the beginning of the church. They're throughout the book of Acts. They're all throughout the New Testament, these four things. And, by the way, they're in the Old Testament too. Because God didn't come up with a new plan in the New Testament It was God's plan the entire time to redeem mankind with his own. Are you with me? It's cover to cover. This is what it is. And it's it's so crazy. I've had, in the last month, I've had four different offers from different organizations to take me to to Israel on on a trip to Israel, to the Holy Land. And I want to go so bad. How many of you you think it would just be awesome to go to the Holy Land? And uh, most of those trips are super expensive, right? I'm talking five to eight thousand dollars a piece. Okay, they're offering to take me for like eight hundred bucks. If I can get to New York City, they'll take me for free. Okay, so it's a pretty good deal. Um, and I can't wait to go to the Holy Land to walk in the footsteps where Jesus walked, to go where Jesus went. But if you know much about that place, if you know much about Israel, what you'll find is, is where when people go on tours or trips to the Holy Land, most of them, most of the sites that they're taken, they're taken to places where they think things happened. Are you with me? Well, like, for instance, where the site of where Jesus is baptized, where so many people every year, they go to that exact spot and they get baptized, right? My friend who just went to Israel just a few months ago, he told me, he was like, man, we got baptized in the Jordan River. It was awesome. He was like, but, but on the way back, they told us, 
where Jesus got baptized was about eight miles downriver. I was like, that's a total bummer, man. <laughs> like, what? But there's so many things that, that are historical or that are cultural that we want to, in our culture, we want to go and experience. Yes? Can I tell you something? For large part, in large part, communion is one of those. We celebrated communion all our lives. Those of you that have been around the faith all your life, you've probably celebrated communion. Well, we haven't done it in the way that Jesus did it. Isn't that interesting? And if you're going to, if you're going to celebrate, if you're going to engage, if you're going to dive into these things that Jesus, that originated with him, here's, here's the deal. I don't think, and I'm not trying to say this morning that we've done it wrong all our lives. I'm not saying that at all, okay? What I am saying is this. The purpose and intent that God has behind putting Scripture together in a way that we can understand it is so that we can live it out. Are you with me? It's so that we can live it out. So, God had a plan, and God's plan is eternal, yes? And if you're, if you're going to have, if you're going to have a great family, if you're going to have a great life, you're going to want to build your life around these four things that God wants us to do. You're going to want to build your life around some foundational principles of promises of God. Come on, everybody. And over the next few weeks, I want us to go on a spiritual journey because when I've read the Bible, I have have this overwhelming feeling that the life I'm living is great. But there could be more, right? How many of you know there could be more, right? When you eat a really good meal and there just wasn't quite enough, oh, it could have been better with just what? A little more. I've never got to the bottom of a bowl of ice cream that I didn't want just a little more. How many of you had enough bacon for breakfast? No, I want bacon right now. Come on, somebody. Like, it cracks me up in steakhouses. And the waitress, she's always like 100 pounds. And she looks at me and she's like, sir, I I said, ma'am, I want the ribeye. She's like, the 10 ounce or the 16? I'm like, do you need my glasses? Have you seen me? Does it look like I eat very many 10 ounce ribeyes? When there's a 16 ounce option? Mm-hmm. Bring me to Porter House. Come on, somebody. I love God and I'm experiencing his love and in the redemption of, of my life. I just, I'm, I'm so grateful. And I love being part of a church family where I get to watch that in you. It's amazing, right? But there's more, guys. There's more. We, we, can, we can dig in. There's, there 3,000 years ago, God made some promises to a group of people in Egypt called the Israelites. And they're his people. 
the, the language of Scripture indicates that we, after being grafted into the family of God and adopted as sons and daughters of the King, we now are His people. And so the promises that God made His people are still, are still in, intact for us as His people. And so God has an offer on the table for us today. That's really where we are. God made some promises, and I want to talk to you about them. Second Peter 1 verse 4, and I literally ran out of room in your notes, so I want you to look at your notes and go fast, because I'm going to try to share with you quickly. God, for 2 Peter 1 4, God has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, so, so through them, the, so, so here, here, what does that mean? It means the pro- promises have a purpose, right? It means, so the, his promises have a purpose so that you may participate in the divine nature. What does that mean? Chances are that you're participating in something that isn't all that divine. Right? Chances are that we're participating in some things that the, a lot of Christians are living out just a natural life instead of a supernatural life. Right? You, you aren't looking at scripture, you're looking at what, what the enemy has planned for your life. And because you might be a Christian, but you, you, you want to do what God's wanting you to do, but you're still participating in a natural life that God never designed for you to live. And so, so he, he says here, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So corruption in the world is caused by what? Evil desires. So these promises that God has for us are literally, get this, this is crazy. They're weapons that we can use that allow us to escape the corruption of the world in which we live. That's what God's given us. A promise is this. In your notes, write this down. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. That's what a promise is. God has an offer on the table, and chances are that all of us haven't realized that offer quite yet. Let me say it this way. God has more for you on the table, and you're not realizing it. And it's in the form of promises. So promises what? An offer with guaranteed results. So God has a promise for you, and when God makes a promise... They always come to pass, right? So when God makes promises to us, he always comes through with those promises. And chances are that you've had promises made to you that didn't come true. That people didn't come come through with, right? Parents sometimes make promises that, that never happen. Or friends or Maybe an employer, or, or, or maybe, maybe somebody broke their promise along the way. All of us have been there, yes? All of us have been there, but listen, you've never had that happen from God. God has never made you a promise that he didn't keep his word. Joshua 21.45, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. And let me, let me point this out here, because while they were living, they thought that God was, was uh, <laughs> not fulfilling them. How many of you know that? 
Why? Because it's, it's usually never fulfilled in the way we think it should be. And say it again. It's usually never fulfilled in the way that we think it should be. And some of you thought, no, God does go back on his promises. And I'm telling you what he's promised, he will fulfill. God's never lied. You can take it to the bank. He's not going to start with you, right? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, or through 18 in the message. It says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Unchangeable. In other words, they're eternal. There's nothing that that you can do that, that cause God to go back on that, right? Nothing that you would do that God would say, well, forget it then, right? They're unchangeable. We, it says here, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. What is? The promise. Reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Three things I want you to know about promises in your notes. Write them down. Three things. Number one, I need to know his promises. You've got to know them. If you're going to live them out, you've got to know them. Okay? You've got to know them if you're going to be able to live them out. I need to know them. First Chronicles 17, 19 says, O Lord, for the sake of your servant and, and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. David here is celebrating the fact that I get to know God. That's what he's celebrating. He's excited that he gets to know the Lord. Well, well, where are all these promises at? Where are the promises of God found? In the Word. Right? In the Word of God are, are where his promises are. The Bible is a book, essentially, of promises from God. Leading us into the presence of God. It will help you experience that divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. It's what we just read, right? That's why, guys, listen, it's absolutely imperative that if you want to grow in your walk with God, if you want to experience all that God has for you, you got to read your Bible. You're never going to grow in your walk with the Lord if you don't read the Bible. It's like people say all the time, well, I can be a Christian without going to church. You you can be married too without ever going home. (laughs) Try it for a little while. Home will be different when you get there. Are you with me? You got to read the Bible. And please don't take it like you've got to. Listen, you get to. It's the most crazy stories in the world are in the Bible. I've lived in Tucumcari almost 22 years. I have some crazy stories. I have stories about people out in front of the church running down chickens that got out that escaped their house because they live in their house. Right? Nathan, we got stories about puppies being born in cars, don't we? Miss Liz, Nathan. During church. Family just showed up here, needed to come to service. They had a couple dogs. Liz and Nathan were so kind. Liz didn't know anything about it. 
Nathan was so kind to put the dogs in her brand new car. They had, she had puppies in the car while we had service. How many have been, been around anything that gave birth? That's not a clean deal. It's not something, you don't want to trade new car scent for that scent. That's just weird. Right? You've never pulled up to one of them car washes. Right? Right? With the scent machine, fresh litter of pups. Never. That's not on there. It's not an option. He's so weird. (laughs) I got stories. Right? There's it's nothing like the stories in scripture. They're amazing. Amazing stories. Listen, when you're going through something difficult, you've got to have something to hold on to. Can I tell you, there's nothing better in the whole world than to have a passage or a verse of Scripture to hold on to. To claim. God said it in His Word. It's God's Word. I can trust it. Right? Can I give you some? Hmm, Here we go. Y'all better jump in there and get with me this morning. I'm going to preach really long. The louder you are, the less I, the long, you, you see what I'm saying. One that Gail and I have held on to when we're needing to make a decision over and over and over and over in our life. It's 1 Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. How do I know? How do I know? I talked about this last week. How do I know? Let the peace of God if you have fear in your heart, Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I, what? Fear. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? If you feel like Satan himself is attacking you, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in who? Me than he that is in the world. Romans 8, 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Financial struggles, Philippians 4, 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If I've got sickness in my body, right? Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, I will praise his holy name, who forgives all my sin and heals all my disease. Right? All my disease. 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his stripes you have been healed. You can hang on to the promises of God. We can cling to the promises that God has made to us. Right? A few years ago, my former youth pastors growing up, Kent and Kim Bernard, they, uh, they did a big outreach out of their church to the city. And, and they, the next night, I mean, it was, it, it got ugly, right? There was protests. And, I mean, how dare they talk about abortion, right? Right? In the culture. And all these people showed up to protest. I've never understood, you know, getting behind 
uh, in, in like, like rally, rallying for the killing of babies. I've never understood it. And suddenly, there's all these people out in front of their church, but what they didn't realize is at the same time that their outreach was going on, their house was broken into and vandalized. It was a lot of stuff stolen. Kim's wedding ring was one of them. They ransacked the house. They vandalized the house. They wrote with paint on the walls in their home. All sorts of things. And I remember Kent and Kim talking about when they went home, how weird it felt inside their own house. Because that space had been violated. You know what I'm saying? Like it had been, it had been taken over by someone else for a time. The, their home that they called the sanctuary spot that they loved to do life in, suddenly they didn't feel safe in their own, in their own home. Look at what this verse says, Psalm chapter 144, verse 14. There will be no breaching of walls and no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Right, God, we just raise this verse as a standard against the attack of who we are. Come on, everybody. Parents, your kids start driving, you better have a verse. Psalm 121, the Lord bless your coming and going both now and forevermore. Right? Find a verse. Find a scripture to hold on to. Cling to the promise that God has spoken. Right? Second one, write this one down. I need to understand his promises. I've got to know them. But it's not enough just to know them. I've got to understand them. Listen, I know a lot of things. I don't understand a whole, whole lot of things, right? That list is longer. Yes? This is where people say no. God's into false advertising. Like God says stuff and then really doesn't do it. It's not it. It's because we don't understand the promise. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not, a, he's not human, so he does not change his mind. He has, never, he is, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Question mark. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And some people would say, yeah, he hasn't carried it through for me. And that's where you would not know or fully understand his promise. So, so there's some things you need to know about his promises. I think I put these in your notes. One of them is this, that when God has, when God has them, he doesn't change his mind. Again, God doesn't change his mind. They're unconditional. Okay, they're eternal. You cannot sin enough to keep him from wanting to fulfill those things in your life. Are you with me? But you also need to know that they're, they're, they're not only un, unconditional, but they are very conditional. Every promise has a premise. So it has some role that you can play in it. Like wanting a, a, a right relationship with God. I have things that I can give my kids, listen to me, 
I have things that I can give my kids, but I can't give them to them if they choose not to be a part of the family. Are you with me? And here, here's the reality. I have way more stuff than they have, and I can bless them. It's their choice. Are you with me? It's their choice. It would not be wise of a parent to give keys to a 14-year-old to go drive because he wants to. Well, I'm part of the family. Yeah, but <laughs> there's a promise and a premise principle here. Are you getting me? Are you following me this morning? You understand? Just because you belong to something doesn't mean you have rights to something. You're right. You, those, those things are conditional upon your engagement in the process. Come on. So important that you understand this. Okay? Second thing you need to know is that he always requires faith. God always requires faith. And, and, and let me give you some pastoral advice here on this. Get used to it. Get used to God requiring faith because, see, many people want God to give them stuff, but they don't want to, they don't want to use faith. They don't want to use faith. And he's not going to do that. A few years ago, we had a man and a, 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 man and a woman who, in the church who, he, <laughs> how do I put this? They wanted me to come and pray a prayer blessing over their house, but they weren't married. And I said no. And they got mad. I can't, I can't do what God said he won't bless. Come on. Without, well, well, it was, and you know what he said? He said, it's just a financial issue. It's better for us to not be married. And I said, well, it's, it's a lack of faith issue. Because God has a plan. And you, what you're saying is God can't take care of me if I do it his way. And not only can, can he, he will do way more than you ever dream. Come on. It always requires faith. Come on, everybody. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's what scripture says. And then, and then next, God does it his way. God does it his way. And in his time. Well, I wanted it my way and my time. Well, you're the God of your life then. And I know we really don't care for that. But I want you to understand something. See, God is patient. And he does that because while he's delivering on the promise, he's trying to teach us something in the process. And I've told him I'm fine with going to heaven dumb as long as I get to go. But God keeps insisting that I learn some stuff between now and then. Right? That's just what he does because he's a good parent. He's a good father. 2 Corinthians 1.20 No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ 
And also through him, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. In other words, it is finished, right? It is finished. It is completed. So you need to know them, understand them. And then, number three, I need to pursue his promises. I've got to pursue them. They're not automatically going to come to you. You've got to chase them down. This is spiritual maturity. Psalm 119, verse 40, your promises, or verse 140, your promises have been throughout, through, uh, thoroughly tested, excuse me. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. And I would say this, some of us haven't thoroughly tested them, but we claimed them, and it didn't happen, so we walked away. Yes? David says this, oh, that it, oh, that it didn't work, let me find out how it works, and he tested it, and now your servant loves them. So David, David did what? He tested God's promises, and God was found truthful, right? And David found that through a lot of pain in his life. He, th- he found that throughout his life in, in, in various ways. Sometimes it was triumphant ways, right? He, he was with God. God gave him victory, yes, Right? He, he, cuts the, he cuts the giant's head off and he carries it around, right? He's like, he's got, I, I just imagine, I bet Goliath had the biggest head you've ever seen. Right? And by the way, David carried it as a trophy. <laughs> I mean, we think, we think the Bible is just, you know, little mamby-pamby. No, they were warriors. Dude carried the giant's head in a sack. I don't know if he drug it behind the horse. I don't know what he did. But I'm guessing he threw it in some sort of gunny sack and carried it with him. Are you the guy? Oh, no, look at this. Oh, you are the guy. You're the guy. We want to mess with you. Yeah, I have trophies. Right? Or you're just a little little sheep herder. (laughs) Come here, come here. Let me show you something. Right? David tests them over and over and over and over. Can I tell you something? You test them too. And some of us would say right now, oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't have the pride to, to test God. Can, can, let's just, just cut the mustard, okay? Really? You haven't tested him? Have you? I'm going to look down so you can all shake your head up and down. (laughs) Right? We've all tested him. We've all tested him. God does it his way in his time. Psalm 119, 140, David again, he says, your promises have been thoroughly tested. Your servant loves them. Oh, that it didn't work. Let me find out how it works. And he tests them. And eight verses later, in in verse 148, he says, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I might.
meditate on your promises. So David's thinking about these promises all the time. And it's not going to take that kind of zeal or an energy in order, or excuse me, it is going to take that kind of zeal and energy in order for you to realize those promises are for you too. But can I tell you this? If you do it, it will change your life. If you'll give yourself. Study this word promise. I I find that it, it was first used in the 15th century and it comes from two words. Pro and miss, right? It literally means to send forth And it always makes a guarantee about your future. To send forth, and it always makes a guarantee. So, so, okay, I can make a guarantee about my future, right? I can make a promise about my future if I'm residing in the promises that God has spoken about my life. So can you guarantee your future, yes or no? Yes, you can guarantee your future. You're like, wow, really? Yes, yes, just live it out. Hello? Just live it out. If you know God's promises, if you understand them, if you pursue them, there's a better life than we're currently living. And so if you like it your way better, then we'll all envy you. Yes? But if the question ever goes to your mind, does it get any better than this? Is just is this all life has to offer? Look at me. Yes, it gets better than this. It gets better when we're living in the promises of God. It's better. Because all the promises center around four core promises, and they're found in one passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 6. Look there in your, in your notes or in your Bibles, Exodus 6, verses 6 through 7. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. God's core promises, four things. Number one, write this down. He says, I will bring you out. I will bring you out. This is God's promise of salvation. This is it. Here's the issue. Most people would say, well, I've already got that one. Let's move on. No, 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 no. Salvation could have happened. Yes? But for many people, they have equated salvation with their church relationship, not their God relationship. And you can be a member of all kinds of things and not have a, have, have a salvation with the Lord. 
And so you say, well, well, how do I know? Well, the scripture, let the scripture speak. Let it, let it speak to you because I, I want to help you see there's a filter to let you know because there, we're all in one of these four, these four, these four areas of, of growth. This is where we are. Check this out. Titus chapter three. Are you getting anything? Welcome to Bible study at First Assembly. That's what we're doing today. We're doing a big deep dive Bible study into the promises of God foundational to your life and existence and moving forward. So here's where we are. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 8. It says, it wasn't so long ago that we, who's we here? It's, it's those, who are, those who are saved, are, that we ourselves, I love, I love the message, were stupid and stubborn. How many of you are like, that, that was me? It's totally me. And dupes of sin ordered every which way by our glands. That means my body was calling the shots. It says, going around with a chip on our shoulder. So I was bitter and I was what? I was out of control, right? Hated and being hated, hated and hating back. When you have somebody, let me, let me just caution you. I don't want you to think of anybody but you. That's hard, isn't it? Because we're always like, oh, if she would have been there today, it would have been for her. Right? Come on. Yeah? I mean, Carla should have been there. Preacher was dialed in right at her. Here's what I want you to see. Okay, this is for us. This is for you. Okay, this is to me as well. Okay, this, this is to us. Are you with me? When you see a person that's constantly hating back, there's a deep core spiritual issue. Because we don't understand forgiveness. Are you with me? That's what life without Jesus looks like. Hating and being hated. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, look at your notes there. When God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, He saved us from all that. In other words, so if you're still doing all that, you might need to be saved. Like if you're calling all the shots, right? It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it new people. Washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously that God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. This is the bedrock of salvation. This is what salvation means. No longer does your no longer do you call the shots. You can be a brand new person in Jesus name. Right? And and it, it, it wraps up with this. And there's more life to come and eternity of life 
you can count on this. Now, that's a, that's a promise if I ever heard one. The Bible just said you can count on this. Well, what is that? That's a, that's a promise. So if, if you have your own life still, here's the deal. There's a better offer on the table, and you need to drink from the cup of salvation. That's where we're at. Right there is where we're at. But there's more. How many of you know there's more? Now, many, many, many people are going to do that and then count that as the final step in the process. But that just begins the process. Salvation is just the first part of the process into your relationship with God. Right? Because then he says, now that you're out of Egypt, now let's get Egypt out of you. Because you've been tainted. You've been stained. You've ran all, everything through your life through the filter of what you've known. And your culture and environment dictated what you've known. So now, let's get Egypt out of you. And I've got to get the junk out of your life. Then he says this, number two. Okay? Number two, second cup. Then I will free you. I will free you. This is God's promise on deliverance. Right? And when some of you heard that word, you're, you're pictured like people's heads spinning around, shooting pea soup out. You know what I mean? We're not talking about, you know, a Catholic priest chasing you down with a, a cross in his hand. We're not talking about that. Chances are that most of us here are saved. Okay? Absolutely, without question, not all of us are. But most of us have never experienced God's promise of deliverance. I'm not talking about, again, I'm not talking about demonic deliverance, okay? Deliverance isn't just for people with demons. Hello? Write this down. I should have put this as a point in your notes. Deliverance is for people who are trapped in their old life. That's who deliverance is for. Look at me. We all need deliverance. So you're a Christian, but your sin nature keeps interrupting in the process. Right? And when it does, it embarrasses you. Listen, I want to caution you here to not allow it to embarrass you because the great apostle Paul, he confessed this in Romans chapter 7 and 8, that he loved God, but he admitted that his old sin nature was still showing up too much. What, what did Paul say? He said, so then I myself in my mind, I am a slave to God's law. In other words, I've decided to follow Jesus but the sinful nature in me, or the sinful nature, is a slave to the law of sin. And he, he hated that. He, he said, I do what I don't want to do, and I keep not doing what I want to do. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm hung in between. And I don't know what to do. I, I do know what to do, but it's still, it's just, it's hard. Yes? That <laughs> kind of summarizes all of us, right? But he gives us the truth. Therefore, now there is no what? 
condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He, he's, he's not frustrated. Listen, God is not frustrated with you. The offer's still on the table. And it's the cup of deliverance. I had a plan to not only get you out of Egypt, God says, but I want to get Egypt out of you. I want to change the course of your mind. It's, it's about transformation of your mind. Right? Becoming new in him. And many of us need to experience that. And this is how it happens, okay? This is how. <laughs> Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of what? Sin and death. Through Christ Jesus. But God has even more. Yes? Number three. Number three. I will redeem you. Redeem means to put something back to its original intent. So God, God promises restoration. Can I tell you something? The entirety of the world is looking for restoration. They just call it something else. Many people are calling it reparation. They're looking for restoration. They're looking to be repaid for what was stolen from them. Come on, everybody. They will all find that in what? In restoration of their soul. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, in the message, it is, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. So you've got to settle that. Who are you and what are you living for? God wants to reveal your uniqueness to you and he has something for you. And it says this, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, we had his eye on us, had, des had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. God had a plan. See, God's plan is still in process. Come on. And you can make a difference because of him on this earth. And some still don't know what their plan is. And so they're aimlessly wandering around through life. And it's frustrating. Because they work really hard to get to the next level of, of, of education. Hoping that opens the door for them to get to the next level of whatever it would be or whatever job could come or whatever happens. And then what happens? They're unsatisfied when they get it. Why? They're chasing their purpose, not his. You will never be fully satisfied in the fulfillment of your own purpose. Your own created purpose, you'll never be fully satisfied. Number four, he says, I will take you as my own people. And finally, God promises fulfillment, fulfillment, fulfillment. Now it's no longer a singular person. It's people. See, at this final stage, he's gotten you to, right? Worship, guys, if you'll come, please. At this, at this stage, he's gotten, he's gotten you out, right? He's gotten you out. He's gotten the junk out of you. Yes? Right? Then he gave you something to make your life matter. Gave you a purpose. Gave you a plan. Then he makes you part of what? Family. Family. God's always building his church. Are you with me? He's always building his church. He always 
invite you to be a part of a team, a family, a place, right? A city, a church that you, with a vision. Come on. He wants to put you together and it's there where your dreams come true. It's not on your own. Your dreams aren't going to come true on your own. I love you. Listen to me. If I, if I thought that I was in any way wrong on this, I would tell you. I've never seen anyone have their dreams fulfilled on their own. Never. We're part of the family of God. It's in a family. God created the family before he created the church. Are you with me? He placed us together in a family. And he says, I will take you as my own people. This is the fulfillment. God fulfills his best in us when we're together. Come on, everyone. He puts us in groups. Hello? That's what he does. He's always making, again, the body of Christ. He's always making the body of Christ. He wants to put you together, and it's where there where dreams come true. It's there where things can be fulfilled. It's where, it's, 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 it's together when ideas and vision can blossom because God has uniquely connected us as a body And if you're part of the body, you can't fulfill what the entirety of the body needs to fulfill. Right? It's the language of Scripture. We'll never know how good it could be until we're part of a team making a difference. We'll simply never know. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an offer on the table. And it's for you. It's God's promise of fulfillment. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's God's offer for us today. might truly know life here's what I believe I believe I believe the majority of the people in the room today are walking in a relationship with Jesus I'm not trying to convince you that you're not saved okay but here's what I am hoping to open your eyes to and I I hope the Holy Spirit did it because I'm just I'm just a mouthpiece that I'm trying to be used by God. Okay? Listen. I want you to know there's more. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to conclude the service in just a moment. We're going to give you an opportunity. If If you're not in relationship with Jesus, for you to give your life to him. No question. We do that at every service. That that people are here, that they realize that the Holy Spirit like tugs on their heart and they realize, I I am not in relationship with God. And I need 
need to be because he loves me. He's like a loving father wanting to adopt me in and to pour into my life, to take care of me, to offer me advice, to give me wisdom, to give me vision. That's who God is. So I encourage you, okay, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we would never come to salvation without the leading of the Holy Spirit. To give your life to Jesus. And then those of you that are in the room that you're like, oh, today was good, some people got saved. That's always awesome. But I was hoping I'd get something for me today. Oh, oh, oh wait a minute, wait a minute. The offer's for you. There's more. How many of you right now want a big old second helping? Come on, everybody. I'm fixing to go eat somewhere. I don't know where it is. I hope mom cooked. I hope she cooked something good. She got like three meals I don't like. All the rest of them I do like. She put some cinnamon cookies a while back. I don't, I don't know what it was about, but it just blew it up. The cookies she made for me this last week, it was good. We ate them all, didn't we, Dad? On the trip, we did. We ate them all. Praise God, they were delicious. Smile at me. I, I've been in the doghouse, y'all. I need some brownie points. Look at me. How many of you want more? Would you stand to your feet all over this room? God, we love you. What a... Whew, what a mouthful. God, you uh, you took us some places today and you you allowed us to look at your word, which is always encouraging and inspiring. And it's, it's not just thought provoking, but it's requiring. It's requiring that we do. do something with what you said. Holy Spirit. We invite you to do your work in our lives. this morning that you just realize you're really not in a relationship with Jesus but and I just I can't tell you there's nothing like it if you've ever needed a friend he's that friend if you've ever needed a father he's he's that father needed someone to walk down the road with call in the middle of the night you ever needed someone to joke and laugh and cut up with he's that person too he's he's Jesus he's the son of God and he came to live and to die for you he lived upon this earth and he went to the cross and he died a death we can never ever die we'd never we'd never ever take punishment that Jesus took but he never gave in he never gave up in fact on the cross he cried out for you he said yes 
God, I'll fulfill, I'll fulfill what your desire is for my life. Not my will, but yours be done. And in our place for our sin, he, he had created no sin. He's, he'd never, ever sinned in his life. But he gave his life so that we might know what life really is. And today, I would encourage you, don't wait. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. I want to pray with you. Would you slip your hand up all over the room if that's you? You'd say, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. Yep, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, all over the room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Do what you desire to do in us. God, today... Today we give you our life. Come on, would everybody just pray with me? Say, Heavenly Father, God, today we give you our life. Surrender my heart to you. Lead me. Forgive me. Help me to see how much you love me. Let me trust you more every day. God, help me me to live for you. In Jesus' name, I give you my life. Forgive me of sin. I trust you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Before you move a muscle, here's what I want us to do. There were six or seven hands that I saw raised. incredible. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one when one gives their life to God. But right now we have an opportunity for all of us to say we want more. In the pursuit of the more over the next few weeks, I don't know where your heart is at right now, but my heart is stirred to desire what God has for me. next few weeks God I'm asking for more if that's you would you raise your hands toward heaven and just ask him Father God we ask you for more thank you for listening with us today you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fa. Or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.